From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. You know, this, this win tonight, this victory, it's about our conservative values. I am your warrior. We are done with the bonus round of midterm 2018 elections. The Mississippi special runoff uh, is over, and Cindy Hyde-Smith, the incumbent Republican, the appointed Republican who replaced Thad Cochran, has defeated Democrat Mike Espy. And we're going to run through not just the results, but also what this uh, might pretend for future elections, not just in Mississippi, but in the rest of the country, and particularly in the Senate. Joining me is uh, Simone Pathé, our senior political reporter, and Leah Askaranam, the deputy editor at Inside Elections. Welcome. Thanks. Good morning. So, Simone, let's just quickly run through the results. There was a little bit of hype about how close the, this election was. It is Mississippi. The president uh, won it by 18 points in 2016. It's a reliably Republican state, but it was closer than we normally get. Let's go through the results. Yeah, so uh, Cindy Hyde-Smith ended up winning by just under 10 points, which, as you said, is a closer margin than we're used to seeing than Trump garnered in 2016 and closer than Roger Wicker, her fellow Mississippi Republican senator, garnered the same year. A lot of factors at play here. Special elections obviously attract a lot more attention, tend to be a little bit closer. We had national Republican groups spending about $3 million here. That's not something they would normally do in Mississippi if it was voting with all the other states on November 6th, mm-hmm. having their final election. She was also a flawed candidate. I think Republicans would admit that. This race really heated up late because of the comments that surfaced in this video in which she talked about it, attending a public hanging, obviously revived a lot of um, racist connotations in a deep southern state with a history of lynchings of African-Americans. And also, not, not to take anything away from her accomplishment, as she's now the first woman who's been elected to the Senate uh, from Mississippi. She was appointed to fill out Thad Cochran's term uh, earlier this year. But she is, the, she is the first woman who's been elected. She was competing with, with Mike Espy, the Democrat, who would have been the first black man uh, who, since, since the Civil War. Since Reconstruction. Since Reconstruction. Yeah. Since Reconstruction. So, I mean, there are a lot of historic, you know, kind of things going on here. Uh, a lot of the heritage of the state is, is being sort of revived with, you know, memories of, of lynching a black man versus a white woman. She also was a former Democrat. Uh, <laughs> so she, uh, like, like a lot of people in, in the South. Right, not uh, they uncommon. Have, yeah, they, they have switched uh, uh, parties. But, uh, you know, Leah, you did the, the write-up for Inside Elections, like, when, when we started to see some tightening in this race. And, and you also have uh, a, a somewhat of a connection to this region. You went to school in New Orleans, and, and you've, you've, you know, you're familiar, at least, at, with that part of the country. Tell me about what you were seeing. Like, why, why did this become a race? So I think one of the overlooked flaws about Hyde-Smith is what you just mentioned about her being a former Democrat. Um, Yes, Mississippi has ancestral Democratic roots, but she was a Democrat up until 2010, 2011, which is pretty late. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not unheard of for Mississippi to elect a statewide Democrat. I think we'll see a pretty competitive general election next year in the governor's race. But I think that uh, when you have a former Democrat who has a primary opponent from a a serious challenger, Mm -hmm. State Senator Chris McDaniel, Mm -hmm. she entered the general election, or the the runoff election, rather, um, pretty bruised. Mm -hmm. Um, Chris McDaniel, if you'll remember, in 2014, nearly 
won the uh, Republican primary for Senate. Um, against and, Cochran. Against right. Cochran, yes. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he didn't do quite as well this time around. In the November 6th election, he got, I think, 16 or 17 percent. But, I mean, she entered— In a three-way race a, with SB and, and, and with, with Hyde's Right, because, technically right. four people on the right. ballot, but okay. essentially a three-way race. So I think she entered this race pretty bruised. Um, obviously, the uh, conversation about— Racism in Mississippi and its past violence became um, a major national conversation. I'm just not sure how much of an effect it had within the state compared to the other flaws that we're seeing or that we saw throughout her campaign. So one of the things that has intrigued me about about Mississippi and about some of these, you know, sort of the the political trends that we're seeing. I mean, people, I think Democrats, rightfully, you know, they they saw. A somewhat of an opening and, and decided that they wanted to go for it uh, with, with SB's candidacy. Uh, they had had success with Doug Jones uh, in the very recent past, um, running against a truly flawed uh, candidate in, in Republican Roy Moore. And Jones won, and he has to win in 2020 again. But the, the, the question, I think, is, you know, is not going to go away for, for either party. Can Republicans, Simone, can they, can they afford to, to be worried about places like Mississippi? <laughs> And and for Democrats, do they can they just write off places like this? Can they just say like you know what we we can't deal with this? We we're going to put all of our our marbles into Texas because that's eventually that's that's looking better for us or Georgia or finally try to break through in, in places like Florida. So what do they do? I mean, do you on an existential level, if you will, can you write off a place like Mississippi or do you do you keep Republicans' feet to the fire? And for Republicans, what do they do? Like, do they they just get better candidates than Cindy Hyde Smith? <laughs> Yeah. So on the Republican side, it's an interesting question. Given the problems, the deep problems they have in the suburbs right now, you don't really see a world in which they can afford to spend anywhere near the amount of money they spent in a place like Mississippi or certainly in Alabama last year and still have money left over to fix their suburban problem. Right. That's just not sustainable for the party. Right. But sure, they need better candidates. Obviously, these two candidates were deeply flawed, but it's still Alabama. It's still Mississippi. Remember that even though Doug Jones won, he defeated an alleged sexual predator by a point and a half. <laughs> this is not a blowout election. Right, right. Um, and I think that's important to remember that, you know, he won, but barely. For Democrats, I think what all of these elections have showed us is that that never hurts to have a strong candidate. And you can argue that with um, a younger, perhaps more dynamic candidate than Mike Espy, Hyde Smith repeatedly attacked him for having accepted money for an African dictator. And he had his own baggage that mm -hmm. perhaps wasn't as controversial as hers, depending he was on who you to are. The Clintons. But, right. <laughs> <laughs> as poisonous as you can get in a Republican environment. Easy to tar. It's right. too liberal for Mississippi. Right. It tied him to, to Chuck Schumer exactly. Right. I mean, it, granted, he was the ag secretary during yep. the Clinton administration. So it wasn't a tangential right. connection. It, it, he was actually connected. And he left his post because of ethical questions. So there were, you're right, there were some right. flaws with SB. And he's, you know, he's an older, older gentleman. So yes. Yeah. While this is not the result that we were hoping for, I'm very proud of this historic campaign. So make no mistake. Tonight is the beginning. Tonight is not the end. So I think there's a case to be made. I mean, if you look, former roll caller Paul Kane, I think, was making this argument last night on Twitter that if you look at the, the House victories on the Democratic side, you have a lot of really young, really dynamic, 
exciting Democratic candidates. And I'm not saying like Mississippi would have gone the other way had it not been Mike Espy. I don't think that's the case. Mm -hmm. But I do think there is an argument for the Democratic Party, even if they're not investing national resources, but at least to be actively recruiting candidates in some of these deep red states. I I don't think the party would have really invested that much money if Hyde Smith had not been who she was. It was interesting reporting on this race, you know, seeing the daily flood of fundraising emails that we were getting from the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee and other Democratic groups about saying, you know, the race is tied, we can win, it's within reach, SB can can claim victory, and then privately talking to a lot of these strategists and they're like, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> actually... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not, but we got to keep it. We got to keep it interesting, right? Exactly. We got to fire up the troops. So, to Leah, it really wasn't that far, you know, along. We're not that far along from having three Democrats in the congressional delegation in Mississippi. We had Travis Childers in the in northern Mississippi, in, the, in that those sort of Tupelo and and uh, Memphis suburbs. Uh, we had uh, Benny Thompson, who's still a, a member of Congress, and he re- represents part of the Delta, uh, and Gene Taylor, uh, who, who is also the like sort of Gulfport, the area that so say a New Orleanian would be more familiar with, <laughs> like as as you go to the beach or so so forth from that part of the country. So it, it's not it's not the most distant past to think that the right sort of candidate could do well in in the Memphis suburbs or in or in a place like Jackson or in a place like southern Mississippi that has a little bit more uh, you know culturally cultural connection to a place like Louisiana or the or a port area right right I don't know I'm not <laughs> I don't know if I agree with you on that okay. I mean I think voters are able to differentiate between federal and state level offices mm-hmm. which is why Democrats sometimes have more luck on the statewide mm-hmm. um, level than uh, congressional candidates or than, than Senate candidates, rather. But, I mean, just looking at Mississippi, it's not North Carolina, it's not Georgia, it's not Texas. You do not have those growing suburbs, growing non-white populations that you see in other states that um, I believe will eventually turn purple, places like Georgia and Mm -hmm. Texas. Mississippi is not about to turn purple. It might be able to bring some Democrats to the statewide level, for Mm -hmm. example, in a governor's race because of those ancestral Democratic roots, because people have voted Democrat there before, even though it was a completely different era of the Democratic Party. The, The last senator to be elected there as a Democrat was John Stennis in 1982. Mm-hmm. He was originally elected in 1947. Right. Um, he was a segregationist. Right. It was a completely different era of the Democratic Party. That said, people have voted for a Democrat before. So, Simone, I'm I'm curious where um, I mean where this race goes because you know Cindy Hyde Smith in her concession speech she said something that you know even though she has fully embraced the president, Mr. President, and I just talked to him, so I know he's watching. Thank you so much. She seemed to have a bit of a conciliatory tone and said that she wanted to represent all of Mississippi. That's that's seemed sort of gracious, you know, especially because it wasn't some sort of squeaker race. I mean, she did win handily, uh, but she has to she has to face the voters again. I mean, like she she uh, has to you know if she wants to run for a full term, she has to run in twenty twenty, which means she's got a primary possibly against Chris McDaniel again uh, mm-hmm. in in. Uh, in early 2020. So what what are you looking for, you know, as uh, I mean like you you probably thought you were done with this race, right? Like <laughs> but but this is this has the potential to be a race to watch for 2020, right? Did I just run your day? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I wasn't ready to think about that. 
<laughs> but I, I would expect to see mostly the same thing from her. Mm-hmm. I mean, her campaign was virtually all about Trump, right? I mean, that's all she talked about at the debate last week. Mm-hmm. That's all she talked about on the trail was, hey, don't forget, Trump's coming on Monday, the night before the election. She rode around the state in a bus that had their faces plastered on the side, the MAGA wagon. The MAGA wagon, right. Um, and as you alluded to, her biggest threat in 2020 likely could be a primary from mm-hmm. someone like McDaniel. So she's going to want to hew as close to Trump as she can in a state like Mississippi, even if the Democrat gave her a little bit more of a run for money than she necessarily would have expected, I think. And I'm actually not convinced that we'll be watching this that closely in 2020. We were watching it really closely yesterday, last night, Mm -hmm. because it was a special election and we didn't know what the turnout would look like. And because of the special election dynamic, you get an influx of money and an influx of attention. I don't know if we're going to be paying attention to Mississippi in 2020 when there are other states like Colorado and North Carolina and other purple. Maine. And Maine (laughs) on the map. Exactly. Then again, we did not expect to be talking about Mississippi this late in the cycle, nor Alabama last year. So thank you again for helping uh, break this down. And uh, I just want to thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks. I'm Jason Dick. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jason J. Dick. And you can follow Simone. SF Pathé. And Leah. At Leah Ascarinam. And you can join us on this podcast by subscribing to it on iTunes, NPR One, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, including by Simone and Leah, you can visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at RollCall. Thanks again for listening.